Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, turning there, I want to just uh, thank Zach for leading our singing this morning. Uh, Gordon is out of town. He and Amy went to Atlanta to see some grandchildren. And I'm sure they're excited to see their daughter and son-in-law as well. But they went to see their grandchildren. Let's just be honest about that. Those of you who have grandchildren, you know it's true. Um, so anyway, just pointing that out. But uh, So we're thankful for Zach for uh, leading us in singing this morning and his willingness to serve the Lord in that way today. Matthew chapter 6. Here we're going to find that there are two treasures, two conditions, one, two masters. And serving them all is impossible. That's what we have to understand. We have some options. Two treasures. Two conditions. Or two masters. Well, we live in a world of options, don't we? When I was growing up, there was Bugs Bunny. I didn't care what else was on. There was Bugs Bunny. Looney Tunes. Roadrunner and Coyote. Okay? Bugs, Elmer Fudd. Why do you need any more cartoons? But no, today, we have networks full of cartoons. Options out the gazoo. And parents, I hope you're watching those cartoons. I was talking with my son yesterday. And he said, yeah, there was a cartoon they owned the other day. And it was talking about how this girl had a crush on another person. And at the end, came found out it was another girl. I hope you're paying attention to the cartoons your kids are watching. They want to deliver a message to them that you don't want them to hear. There were options, though. Lots of options today. Oreos. Come on. If you don't like Oreos, I don't want to know. Okay? I don't want to know. You're going to turn me into a respecter of persons, and that would do it. All right? But when you have Oreos, you know, chocolate cookie, cream inside, twisted. Or my favorite way of eating Oreos, you get a big glass, and you fill that glass up with Oreos, and you pour milk on top of it. And then you get you a spoon, and you start it. Don't turn your nose up if you hadn't tried it. Oreos. You can get Oreos with pink stuffing inside. You can get Oreos with yellow cookies on them. Why? Options. There are options, options, options. You walk down the cereal aisle. Folks, the cereal aisle that I grew up with covered one-fourth of one side of one aisle. You have to have a whole aisle, both sides, for cereal today. Options. 
can go and we can pick and choose. Problem is, if you have five kids, they probably have five favorites. Okay? Clothes. Oh, the many options that we have for clothes. Cars. I mean, one car after another. You know, you have different models. You have, uh, you know, different, uh, different makes. You have Ford, Chevy. Not even going to mention Chrysler products. You got Toyota, Nissan. Folks, I saw a brand new Ford Mustang driving down the road the other day. It was chartreuse green. I'm kind of like, were there no other options? Why would you want a car that looks like you could catch a really big fish with it? Lord, I hope you're not the owner sitting in here somewhere. Options. Jesus says, saying you have choices here. But only one of them will give you eternal life. Only one way is the way of my Father. Up to this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has placed a priority on the character of those who are kingdom citizens. And he's given us instruction on how we are to practice our righteousness before men. Not like the Pharisees, but following after his pattern. Not to be praised by men, but to have God as our only audience. He's instructed us to avoid hypocrisy in practicing our acts of righteousness. And in these following verses from verse 19 on, uh, he teaches us how this is accomplished. And although he has spoken of our heart in practicing our righteousness, he now goes deeper into the heart, particularly that it cannot be divided in its loyalties. We as believers in Jesus Christ are called to be loyal to him and not to this world. And so as we look at this today, I want us to uh, think in those terms. And I want us to look at a couple of questions like, what do you really want? Really? What do you really want? What's your greatest desire? By, by what measure have you evaluated the things that you really desire most in this life? Who do you serve? Who do you love? Jesus is getting at all these questions here. He sets forth two options three times in this passage. 
two options three times from verse 19 through verse 24. It says there's two treasures. He says you can either love this treasure or you can love that treasure, but you can't love both of those treasures. He points out that there are two spiritual conditions. And he says you can be in this spiritual condition or you can be in that spiritual condition, but you can't be in both of them. He points out two masters. God can be your master or things can be your master, but both cannot be your master. think, man, Rick, you just summed that right up. I guess we're done, right? No, of course not. Because I want us to examine each one of these things. He says you can serve one or the other. He's forcing us to take a stand. He's forcing us to make a choice. You're going to be this or that. You're going to walk this way or that way. You're going to see this way or you're not going to see it all. But you can't do both. He wants us to evaluate the state of our heart. What is it that we trust in? What's our hope? There's three things here for us to look at. First is treasure. What's our treasure? Second is condition. What's our condition? And third, master. Who is our master? Or what is our master? First, I want us to take a look at treasure. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Jesus is wanting his hearers to take stock of our life and consider this question what is ultimately my greatest treasure what's my greatest desire what's my greatest hope am I placing too much priority on the things of this earth the blessings God has provided understand things of this earth God's provided things of this earth the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The light is glory and grace. Some of the blessings we're talking about are blessings that God alone has given us. I have a beautiful wife somewhere here. There she is. She's thankful that I said that. She's overjoyed that I brought her into my sermon. Greatest blessings of my life. The greatest blessing of my life. And I have grandchildren. And I can say she's the greatest blessing of my life. We have these treasures. God has blessed us. We have things. Jesus is not saying don't have things. He's not saying that. 
He's saying don't make things ultimate. We have good things in our life. We have food for the time being. We have cars for the time being until we can't afford gas. We have wonderful things. We have a home, a shelter over our head. We have children, grandchildren. These are wonderful blessings, aren't they? Don't you agree? But Jesus says, if you take one of those things and you make it ultimate... You're treasuring up things on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus isn't saying we can't have possessions or money. He's not out after financial planners saying you're evil. It's not what's going on here. We ought to be good financial planners. We're stewards, right? Of everything that we have. This life that we have. Don't treasure up things on earth. Treasure up. To store it up as something to be treasured and never released. He's saying that the things, wealth, things, relationships, can become ultimate in place of our heavenly hope. And he's saying, beware of that. Pay attention. Beware of how easy it is for you to replace your relationship with the Father with things we love things we have storage buildings in our backyard full of things things that were incredibly important at one time now they're not important at all and when the one in the backyard gets full we pay someone to hold on to our things we put it in storage I'm going to get to that one day. You pay a small fortune to storage facility. Make sure our things stay safe. Not only from others, but from us too. Because we forget about them. Because they were important at one time. Not anymore. What we see at work here is do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust Destroy. That is the law of diminishing return. It's the law of diminishing return. We can find our contentment, our satisfaction in earthly blessings. And yet we find after a period of time. They're not returning to us the satisfaction that they once gave us. No matter what it is. 
We don't get the pleasure out of it like we once did. We don't find contentment or peace in it anymore. Whatever that may be. It can be in some thing. It can be in a relationship. So we move on to something else. We get something else. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's not valuable to me anymore. It once was a treasure and now it's not. Now it just collects dust. Moth and rust destroy. It's talking about how something begins to decay and come apart. I mean, everything we have does that, right? Don't treasure things that begin to break down immediately. Where moth and rust destroy. I had some old sport coats here a while back, a few years back. Just kind of going through the closet, getting rid of stuff, and pulled it back, boom, moth hole. You may say, well, there's a way to take care of that. Put some mothballs. Have y'all smelled those things? You know what I use mothballs for? I put them around the house to keep stuff from crawling up underneath my house. Rodents don't like mothballs, I found out. I throw them in my shed to keep them out of my shed from eating stuff. But I don't stick them in my closet. I did one time after we moved out in the country, lift the hatch on the floor that goes up underneath and tossed in like a whole box of mothballs because there was stuff getting up underneath the house and I didn't want it under there. Yep, you guessed it. My house smelled like a mothball for about six months. We didn't have anybody out at that time. It was pretty bad. We're always warring against things that degradate the things that we love. I mean, we live in East Texas, so we like guns. Some of y'all looked up at me. You're not fixing to start getting on guns, are you? No, I like guns too. But you know what? If you don't keep them oiled up and cleaned and taken care of and everything, they will degrade. You ever pull a gun out of a out of a, a sleeve or something like that or out of your safe and somehow a little bit of moisture got on it and you can see a little bit of, little bit of rust on there. Some of y'all are having palpitations. You're going to go home and open your safe up and see. It's the law of diminishing returns. Things begin to break down. Your clothes begin to get threadbare. Food degrades over time, if not stored properly. Your body. Everything on earth degrades. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Why? 
they will stop satisfying you. They will stop pleasing you. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Why not? Because of the law of transience. You have the law of diminishing returns. You also have the law of transience. Sometimes we lose the blessings that we have. Look what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The law of transience. Sometimes blessings are taken away from us. Sometimes the things that God has blessed us with are removed. Not because God is evil. Not because God is punishing us. But because we live in a world where things go away, either by theft or by natural consequences. This can be relationships. It can be a spouse of 40, 50, 60 years. Our treasure can't be in our spouse. We can love that blessing. We can be thankful for that blessing, but we can know the blessings that we have. They don't endure forever in relation to this earth. Sometimes we lose things that give us material prosperity and security. And we... God takes those things that made us feel secure, made us prosperous. And if we're trusting in those things, if we're trusting in those blessings, if we're trusting in those things that make us feel secure and give us peace and are our contentment and are our hope, and then they're gone, you will go into despair. But if your hope is in Christ, you won't. He reminds us that the things, Jesus is reminding us the things in this life, the relationships, people, possessions, wealth, honor, preferment, those things are temporary. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. They're temporary. Enjoy the blessings God gives us, absolutely. But don't bank your hope in them. Our hope is in Jesus. That's where he's going to. Things of earth cannot be counted on forever. They cannot become our ultimate treasure, and that's what Jesus is saying. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal.
People want your stuff. There are plenty of people to go after them. Verse 20 tells us something, though. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I like that thought. How about you? Yeah, some people are kind of like, you know, uh, that sounds like an HOA. What? A homeowner's association? Yeah, you know, they have security at the front, they have security at the back. They got people patrolling and stuff like that. Yeah, but they tell you how tall to cut your grass. Why would you do that? And that security is temporary, too. No, let me tell you, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about glory. He's talking about being in his presence forever. For moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, things can be our greatest treasure. But he's describing here where he is our greatest treasure. Where God is our greatest treasure. Where he is our greatest hope. Where he is my prize. I love looking to him as the prize. We get so fixated on things. The problem is not merely just having things. They can be our God and our ultimate thing even if we don't have them. A queen once became obsessed with all of her wealth and all her riches and all her treasure. And a prophet pointed out to her, she had a problem, and she decided to distance herself by leaving everything in the control of a steward, and she went and joined a monastery. And years passed, and the prophet decided, I'm going to go to the monastery and pay a visit to the queen and see how she's doing. And so he went, and he asked if she was content She said, no. All I think about is what I left behind. Then you have not overcome your obsession, the prophet said. You don't have it to spend, but it's all you think about. We're kind of like that, aren't we? Wouldn't it be great if all we thought about was the glory that we're going to know in Jesus Christ and with him forever and ever? Sure, we have to think about things on earth. Sure, we have to uh, do the things that are responsible to do. But really, he's saying, lay up treasure in heaven. Where's your heart? Store up treasures in heaven. Well, Rick, how do you do that practically? You grow in your prayer life and your knowledge of the Word of God 
the knowledge of the doctrines of salvation, resurrection, and eternity. Don't you get excited when you grow in your faith? When you gain some more knowledge and then you begin to work on, I, I, I want to improve on this. I want to be more like Jesus in this way. That's our pursuit. Being created in the image of Jesus Christ. Storing up treasures in heaven is falling in love with the word of truth. Not just having stuff. Not just building upon some lifestyle that we want to live. But that our hearts and our minds are saturated by the Word of God. That's laying up treasures in heaven. The memorization that we do every Sunday. Memorizing the, the fighter verses. I love that more and more of y'all are standing up for that, by the way. I love that. Nobody's batting a thousand here on it. But at the same time, we're learning the Word of God. That's storing up treasures in heaven. That you pray every day. That you evangelize. That you give financially to the cause of Christ. These are things that we see continuously as being things that are part of a kingdom citizen. Having charity toward others. Charity in that we feed the poor. We clothe the naked. We visit and encourage the prisoner. Store up treasures in heaven. Grow in your love for the body of Christ. Store up treasures in heaven. Do you ever take great pleasure in hearing your child recite one of these fighter verses? Or maybe they have learned the answer to a catechism question? Do you rejoice in that? Don't, don't we rejoice when our children begin demonstrating that they understand the doctrine of justification by faith? That's laying up treasures in heaven. Don't we rejoice that our children want to gather for family worship? Hey, Dad, are we going to have family worship tonight? Come on, Dad, that's music to the ears, isn't it? That's storing up treasures in heaven. A lot of parents and grandparents rejoice that their kid can throw a curveball. And I promise, I have seen days 
where parents put more stock in their, athletic, their children's athletic ability than they do in their knowledge of the Word of God. I think it's so important for us to understand what Jesus is saying here. Teach your children ultimate things. And ultimate things are the things that involve His centrality in our lives. I have two more points. <laughs> That's okay. I'll make them short. Because really, he's saying the same thing. Whether it's the treasure or the condition or the master. Joshua said it this way. Choose you this day who you will serve. That's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. He's wanted us to take a stand. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom of God? It's more than lip service, it's more than saying you're a Christian. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but I want you to know. That that justification brings about a natural, nay, supernatural result. And that is a changed life. And it's a life that is single-minded and single-focused and has a single path. And it's the path that God has laid out for those who believe in Him. And so we see here that He says this, and then He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy... It's an interesting word there. It can mean generous. It can mean simple. Some translations are like that. But healthy is good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. You say, what is this, a riddle? No, it's an illustration of how one can be spiritually blind to our own desires, thinking we are sanctified when we're actually tarnished. Did you hear that, what, that, what he said there? If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Man, if you're full of darkness and you think you're full of light, that's a problem. You don't know the difference between light and darkness. Spiritual blindness. Instead, he wants our eye to be healthy, our eye to bring in light, and light is what gives us vision, focus to help us to see. I was ADHD before ADHD was cool, okay? I didn't know it. My mama didn't know it. She figured. My dad figured. That a whooping was the best prescription. It worked most of the time. 
I was always hyper. I said one time in front of people, uh, I can be a little bit hyper. And they all looked at me and go, a little bit? That's what was funny. You know, we lose our attention pretty easily. I lose it up here. As a matter of fact, I just said, where was I going? But I remembered. You may notice sometimes that when we're talking with one another, my eyes do this. It's because it's there, you know. So what I've had to teach myself over the years is to lock in. And i got to look at you. Okay? i got to look at you. And if I'm not looking at you, I promise you, I'm hearing every other word you're saying. But I'm thinking about, what's he doing over there? What's, he, what, what's going on? I'm, I'm giving away secrets here, all right? Sometimes you'll hear somebody talking behind you and you want to see them in your peripheral. And you kind of give, give it this a little bit, you know. And you're listening to that conversation, trying to listen to this person, and your eyes are gone, all right? And you say, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. What was your first thought? You know, I'll come back with something like that. I just told you what my first thought was. Oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted. You were looking right at me. Yeah, but they were talking. This is talking about not being spiritual blind, spiritually blind, and being locked in on what you see. And what we see is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What we see is our only path to redemption. What we see is this road, and it is full of obstacles. You said, don't worry. I got those. Don't let darkness be your light. See clearly the truth. And follow that. There's our treasure. There's our way. This is how I will go. And don't you move from it. Don't stray. Third, no one can serve two masters. Can't do it. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. That word mammon, by the way, is either money, wealth, things, possessions. He's dealing with the idolatry that we are prone to. He's dealing with our hearts and how easily divided they can be and become. I mean, this is just straightforward. You can either serve God 
Or you can serve yourself, but you can't serve both. God can be your God or things can be your God, but both can't be your God. And I got this question to ask you today. What has hold of you? What has a hold of you? So that if it were gone, your peace, your security, your hope, your contentment would be gone also. What has hold of you? That if it were missing today, you would not be able to go on. I ask that because anything that you have hold of that is not Christ will not last. But if what you have is Christ, and He is who you cling to, and He is who you hope in, even imperfectly, there's a lot of imperfect hopers in Jesus. If He is what gives you all your strength and hope, But if it's something else, that if it were gone, you don't know how you would survive. Let it go. It's a treasure of earth. No matter how big a blessing it is, put it in its right place and let all your hope be on Jesus Christ. I think Paul had to work on this. I think he had to wrestle with this kind of thinking. More than once he brings up his credentials. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee in terms of righteousness. I mean, he was born to the right family. They had wealth. I mean, you don't live in Tarsus. And then study in Jerusalem under one of the greatest Pharisees, Gamaliel. And your family don't have some juice in their pockets, okay? And he forsook it all, he said, for the sake of knowing Christ. For the sake of following him. And in Philippians chapter 3, not in the right place, yeah, I'm sorry, chapter 4, <laughs> it's our fighter verse, <laughs> listen to what it says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content I know how to be brought low. I know how to put things in their proper place. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. What is that? What's the secret, Paul? What's the secret, Paul, to... To 
being content in everything, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what the diagnosis is from my doctor, no, no matter what the poverty level is in my life, no matter how empty my cupboards are, what's the secret? I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yeah, that's not about being a good gym rat. I got a coffee mug that was given to me. I can do all things through Christ or through a verse taken out of context. This verse taken out of context. This verse is about struggle. It's about wrestling with the things of earth. It's about wrestling with those things that we hold on to and we hold on to them too tightly and we realize it, we let go. We hold to Christ. This verse isn't about me. Being good at something. Except trusting Christ and Him alone. Don't lay up treasure on this earth. Lay up treasure in heaven. Rejoice that you are saved. Somebody at least should have smiled. Rejoice that you're saved. Rejoice that the resurrection is for you. Rejoice that one day we'll be with Him. He's our prize. Rejoice that there may not be a good fishing hole in heaven. But that He's all I need. Rejoice in the blessings that He's given you. I know you have them. Rejoice in those things. Rejoice always. Particularly that your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You help us to set our hearts and our minds right. And this text really brings that out. Your desire for us to know absolutely, without a doubt, there are two choices. One of them is redeeming. And one of them is destructive. And we can't share them. We can't have both. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you have called us to choose. You have called us uh, to look to that which is best. Help us never replace the best with what is good. Lord, help us, Lord, to see things that we have in our life or that have us in our life. 